All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry for Global News. Hey, Keith. Hey, back with you for more in more than a week since you and I. Have been it has in this been a little while. Stately yeah. Studio at the BC Legislature. Yes, yes, indeed. I took a little break, and uh, I fishing? know you were busy too. I did do a fishing trip with my sons. It and was my, awesome, and we had a great time. Real family time. So my youngest daughter got married on Saturday. Yeah, I congratulations. Took, I took my time up as well. It was great. That's awesome, man. Okay, let's get back, back to back business to now. Back to work. Okay, so let's talk about. The premiers meeting in Victoria at That's this just hour. Across the street. Yeah. So we got all of Canada's premiers gathered together first time in around two years. They've actually met face to face. And here we go now with the demands on Ottawa mm-hmm. to put more money on the table for health care. This is job one, top of the agenda. But man, and they've got the finger pointing going back and forth here. I yeah. want to get your take on that. Let's listen to Horgan here first. So here is John Horgan, who is the chair of this premier's meeting, uh, talking about health care funding. They want more money from Ottawa. Have a listen. We have been coming up short across the country for a long, long time because we can't count on a stable partner. Full marks to the federal government for their one-time pots of money, but that only creates more expectations. It doesn't create a long-term plan. We need sustainable, predictable funding from Ottawa so we can build out our our budgets, make commitments to healthcare professionals about how we're going to meet their needs, and most importantly, how we're going to service the patients that that expect nothing less than our best effort. How much are the provinces looking for here? About $28 billion a year. Wow. Uh, Ottawa no surprise, says, well, wait a minute, you want that kind of money, what, what's it going to go for? Uh, they want strings attached, provinces want no strings attached. Each province has its own unique uh, needs when it comes to health care priorities. So this is quite the showdown between the provinces and the federal government. Uh, so far, the uh, federal government, intergovernmental relations minister, Dominic LeBlanc, disputes the numbers, says, yeah. no, wait a minute. Called They're them fake. Fake. He said the premiers <laughs> are using fake numbers. Yeah. And there's this complicated thing of, what's called tax points. Back in 97, they agreed to a new formula that involved uh, tr- actual transfer money, but also uh, tax points being transferred. And so that muddies the waters as well. But we are seeing uh, a, a worsening situation significantly in BC, Alberta, and Ontario in particular when it comes to emergency rooms, family doctors, closing down a clinic, small towns getting hit disproportionately harder by the lack of human resources. Uh, so... Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen this type of healthcare mess in terms of deteriorating resources for quite some time, and it's it's quite the showdown between the the feds and the provinces. I would think, as Trudeau though nears an election year uh, over time, that the the federal government will soften its approach here. But it's rare to have all the provinces singing on the same song sheet on a critical issue that they all face. BC Liberals pointing the finger back at Horgan, though, and saying, look, sure. healthcare, your responsibility, you're trying to deflect, you're trying to blame someone else when this mess is really down down to you. What do you think of that? Well, I think, well, sure, the Liberals, that's <laughs> the job of the opposition parties, to, is to say stuff like that. But yeah. it's interesting that you've got this situation in all the provinces, or not all the provinces, but particularly Alberta, BC, Ontario, and Quebec, Um all face the same situation of deteriorating health care. Like, why is this happening in all the problems, not just B.C.? So it seems to me that it's more than a just made-in-B.C. solution here. It has to be a solution that goes well beyond uh, our situation because other provinces are feeling the heat as well. But, I mean, the family doctor's issue is one thing. But uh, I listened to your interview with Andrew Picard, the yeah. great uh, healthcare journalist from Well Mill. Yeah. And Andre's talking about structural change. There has to be a new approach. You just don't keep... Uh, and his take on the Clearwater situation is interesting. You know, 
Does Clearwater need an emergency room? Yeah, I, that was an interesting point. He yeah, made. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you start looking at some of these issues, not just yeah. putting Band-Aid solutions on. You do have to maybe fundamentally re-examine uh, the healthcare structure to not just keep going back to the old way of doing things, going to a new way of doing things. And, you know, people at Clearwater may not like that, but uh, that may be the solution down the road. Okay, you've got the premier saying that they want to see the feds boost healthcare spending to around 35% of the total mm-hmm. costs in Canada. The feds disputing the number, as you pointed out, but there does appear to be a lot of pressure on Ottawa and the Trudeau government here to do something. I mean, could this well, lead to some sort of a national summit on yeah. healthcare? Oh, I think we're, I think we're working towards that. It's interesting. Dominic LeBlanc is now saying, well, wait a minute. We fund one third of the system. Well, yeah. that actually plays into the province's hands because the, the provinces are pointing out when, when healthcare was first created, the national healthcare system in the sixties, it was a 50 50 proposition. So even LeBlanc is acknowledging that the feds have gone from 50% to 33% uh, over time. So, uh, he sort of, uh, not doesn't play in the premier's, into the premier's hands, but sort of acknowledges that the premiers have a point that the federal government has shrunk its its funding of healthcare over time by a significant amount. When you go from fifty percent to thirty three percent of a multi multi billion dollar system, we're talking yeah. about billions of dollars where the federal government has vacated. And I think you're right. I think we are going to see a national summit at some point. Okay, we're following that one closely. Let's a little closer to home. Let's talk some uh, BC politics here mm-hmm. right now. So Premier John Horgan has announced that he is stepping down. So the the race, not there, there are no declared there's, candidates to replace him at this point. Race. Yeah, there is no race. It's just a it's a coronation for David Eby. Sounds Ebe, like that, a coronation for David yeah. Eby. Uh, hard to see other candidates step forward. The pro, when Robbie Kalon vacated the field or just elected to, to run, that removed the possibility of a, removed the possibility. I think of a of a someone coming up through the middle between Eby and Kalon, um, and with that. No longer happening. Uh, you know, if it's a twenty-five thousand dollar entry fee, that's a lot of money to to fundraise. That just goes down the toilet for for someone. And I'm told that EB has will or will have when he announces the endorsations of more than half the NDP uh, caucus. Yeah, which is a pretty formidable challenge for anyone to take on. So I've got to call him out this week, speculating that um, EB wins, and we'll call an early election. Um, mm. I think sometime next year and not run the whole two years uh, without a mandate. Let's listen to EB here. He uh, did an appearance at a street party in his riding on the weekend, and some of his constituents were asking him, hey, you're going to run for the top job? Let's have a listen to that. BC Attorney General and Minister Responsible for Housing David Eby was chatting with neighbours. Do we think you're going to be our next boss? He won't say whether he'll run for the NDP party leadership. Oh, I'm not in it yet. In it yet. No, I'm kicking the tires. Yeah, I'm talking to people about it. <laughs> okay, he's kicking the tires. He's doing more than kicking the tires. He's doing more than kicking the tires. Yeah. I think he's getting himself in the driver's seat pretty quick. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Uh, I heard a rumour yesterday that the party brass, although a lot of them are behind EB as well, uh, would prefer to see some sort of a race uh, to make uh, inject some media interest. I mean, we're talking about a, a job that you'll automatically become the premier. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're telling me that nobody else wants this job. Nobody else wants to be the premier of British Columbia. So they may they may delay um, the vote for a new leader until December later in the year to give some opponents maybe an opportunity mm-hmm. to step up and run against EB. That's a possibility, yeah. yeah. But I've talked to some potential candidates who just became somewhat deflated when Ravi Kalan uh, decided not to run. 
because yep. that was uh, the, the counterbalance to David Eby, that you have two strong front runners uh, who may stall on the first and second ballot and allow a compromise candidate to come up the middle. Yep. And that scenario doesn't seem to be um, uh, possible now. So I, I'd still be very surprised if you see anyone else run of any stature. There may be some, as the NDP often does, and other parties, some fringe candidate from activist roots sort of thing. But that it's that registration fee or the, the candidacy fee, which last time was $25,000. And I think the fundraising rules have changed. You just can't go to one or two sources. you got to go to multi-sources to raise that kind of money. I think a lot of people say, well, why would I give you that kind of money if you have no chance of winning? Okay, so you mentioned that you wrote a column speculating that EB could call an early election. Mm-hmm. So you think we could be into an election next year? I think it's every possibility we could. I mean, look at what's happening out there. The problems are mounting for the government. They're not going away. Affordability yeah. is in increasingly a, a bigger and bigger problem every day. The inflation rate, 8% now, maybe, best case scenario, maybe it goes down to 6 or 5%. That's still triple or quadruple the inflation rate of the last couple of years. So affordability is an issue that's, that's worsening. It's not getting better. You've got the healthcare situation is deteriorating. It's not getting better. The problems are mounting. And I think whoever wins the NDP leadership race, assuming it's David Eby, it's in their best interest to call an early. And, well, he, and, thing, he, and he'd have a good argument for it too, right? Yeah. You could say, look, I need a mandate I need here. a mandate. Yeah. Do I really want to govern for two years without right. a mandate? I'm yeah. not the guy we put in front of the people. Right. The other thing I pointed out is that there's a rising chorus from the activist wing of the NDP that's getting a little more uh, vocal. John Horgan was able, he was the glue that kept this thing together. He is departing. I've already noticed uh, Bowen Ma, for example, who's a minister of state, uh, had a series of tweets last week in which she said she challenged the uh, get rid of the expansion of LNG. That's a wow. that's a cabinet decision. That's a government decision. So you already have people in the caucus speaking out against government decisions authored by John Horgan. So I think the environmental activist wing of the party is going to start getting more vocal as well, and that's going to put pressure on the new leader. Okay, real quickly, across the pond in the United Kingdom. Our favorite topic. Yeah, Boris Johnson stepping down as the U.K. Prime Minister, and contrary to what's happening here in B.C., lots of people want At his job. 11. Yeah, I mean, a very diverse crowd of of candidates. Um, right. You've got uh, people of uh, of various ethnic origins, men, women. Uh, it's a crowded field. Yeah, and I think Labour might be a little nervous over there right now when you've got a, a crowded field, which suggests there's a lot of energy suddenly injected into the Conservative Party, which I don't think has been there for a number of years. Let's listen to Boris Johnson ask if he's going to endorse anyone running to replace him. Have a listen. There's a contest underway, and that must happen. And you know, I would wish, wouldn't want to damage anybody's chances by offering my support i just have to i have to get on the constitutional function of the prime minister in this in this situation is to discharge the mandate to continue to discharge the mandate uh, and, and that's what i'm doing okay there's no surprise that he's not going to endorse anyone well, he even acknowledges he doesn't want to damage someone's chances by endorsing them. <laughs> <laughs> who would want his endorsement at this point? but it's an open question can he hang on as prime minister yeah. Uh, it, until a successor is chosen. I mean, yeah. uh, there's already people speaking out that he has to go now. Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Jeff on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead. Hi, uh, Mike and Keith. I've been busy working in the tourism industry. It's uh, been really busy. We're all short-staffed everywhere, and I've been missing Bon Palmer's columns. I've been missing your show from time to time. I thought when I heard that Horgan was going to step down, the obvious successor was Mike Farnworth. Uh, what's up with that? Why isn't he even being considered, or why has he decided not to run, et cetera, et cetera? Good question. Thanks. Yeah, so he's he's run before, but he's nearing retirement age. Yeah. Um, he and his partner, Doug, I think, want to look at uh, life after politics. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a potential six year commitment if you don't call an election uh, right away. And I and Mike Feinworth is um, you know six years ago definitely would have run. But at this point in his life, you know, uh, he's hit the 60-year mark. He wants to, I think, move on to the next chapter. I mean, he actually, actually hasn't said that. My sense, I talk to him all the time. My sense is that that's what he wants to do. I think that when uh, Ravi Kalon announced that he was not going to run, basically setting up, clearing the runway for EB to be crowned without much of a contest, I think guys like Farnworth may have said, well, I- I'm done now. I- you know, there's no point. Well, I, but I, I think um, Farnworth has already uh, made that decision and said that he was not. This was but I, I think it may have discouraged other candidates, too, yeah. like, like a guy like, you know, Rob Fleming, Rob for Fleming, example. His name had example. come up. Yeah, good example. Yeah. I think Rob Fleming may have run. Yeah, Caleb I heard he run. was phoning around and yeah. asking around, asking people if they would support him. But And that's a, others as well. I mean, you know, uh, Josie Osborne from yeah. Mayor Tofino, another one whose name has been out there. Uh, maybe she still does run. I, I'm I don't know, but I think I think it's just less likely to be able to beat EB if he's got that type of caucus support and party support, and you're asked for a financial commitment of of something uh, if it's twenty five thousand or thirty thousand or whatever it is. I just think it's tough to get candidates. Let's go to Cam on the line in Surrey. Hi, Cam. Go ahead. Well, you know, I'm really glad John Horgan is doing this. He's shifted his focus from the museum to advocating for health care, and you know what? This is going to be the really good legacy battle for him. John Horgan is the one. This is our only chance. He actually understands what it is to go through the health care system. I mean, he's had cancer and stuff, so he's, he's really advocating for us in a good way. And, and he's not worried about re-election. He's not lame duck, you know. In politics, when, they, when some guy's about to leave and he's on for a while, they call him a lame duck. This guy is not a lame duck. Thanks for the call. No, he's not. But, again, I just detect perhaps a slight fracturing or weakening of the, of the glue that Horgan has provided the NDP for the last five number of years, where it's really been... I, I call it his progressive centrism, where he's rejected the activist roots of the party. Yeah. He decided to build the site C, continue the site C dam construction, uh, backing the LNG Canada project, yeah. not giving in to those who want to completely ban old growth uh, yeah. logging. logging. Yeah. Uh, this is a stark contrast to the 1990s NDP government, which really was on the run from the environmental movement from, from the get-go. And that's not happening here. But with Horgan's looming departure, I still think that may be a possibility that it well, goes. Well, David Eby has an activist past, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Could things change, priorities change under him, with him in charge? You know what? That is the critical question yeah. facing David Eby uh, and, and the NDP caucus. Do they shift away from Horgan's centrism and go into a more activist mode? If that's what they're going to do, I think that gives a big opening to Kevin Falcon on the BC Liberals. Squeezing one more, Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Okay, I'll be real quick. Uh, Keith, in terms of David Eby, David Eby I, ho- I hope he runs. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, personally. His BC housing mess there. That guy quietly, what was it? Was it the day before Can- or day before Canada Day or on the afternoon of Canada Day? He fires all the people there, or 50% of them anyways. Just kind of clean his slate is what I think anyways. Maybe most people didn't, didn't recognize that. As for health care, John Horgan, I'm sorry. I, I disagree with that caller 100%. He's got all these nurses that could work. My daughter-in-law is a nurse. They are so stressed. They are so understaffed. We have hundreds and hundreds that could be working. And Trudeau, I'm sorry. 
That man, for basic health care, he wants to stick his beak into everyone's business. and force, Thank, Okay, force thanks for the call. Not, not cutting you off. Just out of time. Ten seconds. Always nice to hear from Rob from Chilliwack on, yeah. <laughs> on this. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the BC Housing Corporate firing those directors. We're still looking into that. 